This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Episode of Lead Singer Syndrome, a podcast where I, your host, talk to other lead singers about what it's like to be the front man or front woman of a professional, or sometimes not, maybe not even professional, not fully professional, sometimes, rock and roll band. Today on the show, great episode, I speak to not one, but two front men of the band Alisana, Alisana, Alisana. I don't even know what it is. I think it's. A, I say Alisana, but but we say. See, I'm Canadian, and we say some weird things, like like we say, we say pasta. Actually, we don't say pasta, and I don't know what's correct. I mean, you know, hey, whatever, you know, tomato, tomato. It's it's whatever. Anyways, hey, the guys from Alisana are here. First of all, I'm sorry about the audio quality. It's a little. It's kind of sketchy, and there's some weird noises and stuff. Um, Dennis clearing his throat, and they're in a Starbucks and everything else. So I do apologize for the audio. However, this is a great chat and a very honest chat about what the band has gone through. Um, you know, basically being the hottest thing out there and things fading away and them holding on but still doing it, albeit on a somewhat part-time basis. Anyways, before we get to that, uh, I'd like to wish everyone a happy family day. That's what we have in Canada. It's called Family Day, which basically we just do that so that we can have a holiday like America. Uh, but we don't have presidents. Uh, hey, you don't really have a president either. Ooh, uh, no. Um, but we don't have presidents, so we just said Family Day, which is it's the biggest cop-out for holiday ever. But that's fine because... I think there should be even more holidays so people can spend more time with their families. Oh my God, I just got it. The holiday totally makes sense. Before we get into this for real though, uh, I got to tell you about one thing and one thing only, and that is the All Access Club. I harp on it every week. I'm going to do this one real fast this time. Basically, I just want you to go to leadsingersyndrome.com slash access. That'll take you to the Patreon page where we've set up Basically, you can pledge as little as $6 and get a whole bunch of stuff. It really helps us keep the lights on around here. So definitely check that out. Again, I'm not going to go through all the, all the things you're going to get. A lot of them are really cool, um, and I'm having so much fun on the Facebook group. Shout out to everybody on there. But just check it out again. It's leadsingersyndrome.com slash access. Also, I should say one more thing. If you are Canadian... Uh, and you live in Canada, or if you're American, live in Canada. Actually, if you're in, gonna be in Canada in April, Silverstein is going on tour with the Almighty Good Charlotte. Which, if you told me that about ten years ago, I would not have believed you. So that will be a very cool and different tour for us. So I'm excited. Tickets are on sale now. I don't know, GoodCharlotte.com or something. I don't know. You'll find it, uh, and I will see you all there. Let's get to this week's episode and my conversation with Dennis and Sean. Of Alisana. Oh, 
Hello. Hello. Is that Dennis? What's this is Dennis. It's been so long. It has been. What's going on, man? Dude, I'm just hanging out at home, just chilling. <laughs> okay. Uh, I tried I'm... calling. I tried calling Sean. Uh, should I give him a call now? Is he? Is he going to answer? I think so. He's out in the van. I just walked into you know Starbucks. What? Oh, Starbucks. That's exciting. yeah. You know, when the, uh, the tr- you, you know is safe in Starbucks. Yeah, it's a tour oasis. We come to replenish our Wi-Fi <laughs> and, our, and our caffeine. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna link in Sean here. Let's see if I get him. Okay, cool. Or if he's gonna be a son of a bitch. Oh wait, no, I don't want to Facetime him. Fuck. Is it Milk? Is that his last name? Milk. Milky. Milky. Yeah, Milky. I like that. Old old Mister Milky. Oh, we love it. And no one gets it right. <laughs> Okay. All right. Now I'm, I'm going to call Sean, and we're going to do a three-way. A three-way. We're have a three-way. Get pumped. Hi. Do, do we have everybody? Hey. Technology. Uh-huh. Yes. It works. Love it. Kind of. It doesn't sound great, but hey, you know what? Fuck it. <laughs> this works. Someone's in a super noisy location. What's going on? Um, <laughs> okay. Well, hey, whatever. Uh, dude, I was just right. reminiscing with Dennis... Before we got this shit going, man, it has been so long since I have crossed paths with you guys. How how you been, Sean? Really good, man. Yeah, it's been holy hell, a lot of you just saw you, man. <laughs> yeah, geez, I, I'm like I, I remember the last tour we did together. I think was like back in like 2009 or something. Oh my god, or maybe a million years ago. I don't know. It's it's a million years. It it really has been a long time, but it's really good to have you guys. I know you guys are on tour right now, so th- thanks for taking the time. Uh, where where are you? Whereabouts are you right now? We're we somewhere in be- in between Seattle and San Francisco. Somewhere. Yeah, we're like in Grant oh. Pass. I know we're right in between Oregon and Northern California because one side is mountains and then the rest of it looks like Lord of the Rings hills. <laughs> so, I, I think yeah, we're actually yeah. going to visit Dougie tonight up in Chico, California. Oh, there you go. Old, there you old go. So school manager classic, So it's the classic Monday day off. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. Which for most people listening, they won't know that, but Monday is typically the day that uh, bands take off and don't play shows. Yeah. And I don't really know why that is. I guess just because <laughs> I, I guess. Yeah, but I there's never so. shows on Monday. It's a weird thing. A lot of driving and nothing. Yeah. Uh, so um, I got to ask you guys, man, like, it has been so long. You guys have been pretty much active uh, this whole time. I know you got you got. I know you know Sean. I know you have a family and you have children now. Um, and I know there's been some side projects, but pretty much Allison has been going uh, this whole time. And one of the things that that really has struck me about your band and your, and your band's career is just how many different record labels you've been on different management situations you've been on and all that stuff, kind of the, the behind the scenes uh, stuff, which is kind of interesting. And, and we talk a lot about on the show. So how has that journey been for you guys? And, and, um, and how are you feeling about everything right now? Well, I think when we, and, I'm not gonna, finished, and whoever wants to answer can answer. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think when we finished our deal with fearless, it was more about trying something new. Uh, we never yeah. had, bad relationships or anything anywhere we've been, we've actually been treated really well everywhere, including at Epitaph. But it was more just about like, hey, we've done this for so many years, let's let's try something different and 
shortly after we put out the rest of the Epitaph, we got interested in the idea of just putting music out on our own. And that's when I started yeah. up Revival. And, you know, it's kind of been <coughs> awesome because not that we ever had really strict situations at, at labels, but, you know, labels are still labels. And we have to do things to sort of appease what they need and want. And it's been fun creatively just to get to do whatever the hell we want. No, it's it's awesome. And, and it's funny. Um, it, it brings me back to a conversation uh, Sean, that, that you and I had, um, I can remember it very vividly. I have a strange memory for specific conversations, but uh, you guys were a newer band, and you were playing with us at the Rave in Milwaukee, and it was like a one-off show. You remember that show? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And I remember, um, I remember talking to you, to you, Sean, specifically about um, like managers, and you know, and you were kind of complaining that your manager, uh, you know for lack of a better term, like had his hand in your pocket and you were required to send, you know, merch money to your manager, like pretty much every, whatever it was like every week, I don't know what it was. And, you know, and, and you had to pay your manager this cut and then you guys didn't really have any money. And I was just like, that's so fucked up. Like, cause at that point, Silverstein, we didn't even have a manager. And I was like, that's so crazy that you're, you're, you're paying all of this money. Um, you know, and your band is not making any, um, and that was eye-opening for me. And but I remember your reaction, Sean, was like, like you were you were like you looked so upset, like you looked sad. <laughs> and and, uh, and it makes sense sad. now. Well, I mean, now, well now, I mean, it makes sense now that you've figured it out. You know, hey, this is what we need to do to be sustainable, and that's pretty cool. That that after yeah. and fearless and epitaph and and i know you did did stuff with artery but i guess that was more a management thing but whatever it is now you're back you know doing your own thing like being a diy band um and, and has that been i guess that's been really good for you guys yeah you know, that was our, our very first manager and when you're like i feel like i have to be like every band that when you're first starting out there's no like rule book or instructions you know in the music industry and everybody right. gets caught up with a couple of creeps. And so that's one of the things, like, with every band with maturity, you start to realize, like, uh, like, you actually need to be working with decent people. And, you know, you want the big name, but you want to make sure they're, like, down to earth and they have the same goals that your band does, you know, so you have their best interest. So that's why Audrey is in an awesome fit. Right, and lucky for us, shortly after that conversation with you, Shane, we got out of that terrible situation and... <laughs> We got to get in with Eric Rushing, who's been, you know, a mentor yeah. to us for so many years in our career, and he's helped me learn so many things, and which has enabled me to do all the things that we're doing now on our own. That's crazy. So I guess my conversation with you helped. <laughs> <laughs> it really, it really is crazy, man. Um, yeah, that's that's cool, and and I guess like, you know, with that stuff, I mean, like, I guess now you can basically just do whatever the fuck you want. I mean, like, I don't know if you've ever had labels telling you what kind of music to make or, hey, we need a radio song, which, I mean, let's be honest, Alisan is not getting played on the radio anytime soon. Um, was, that ever a struggle, was that ever a struggle for you guys, like like dealing with labels on that end? Is it, is it nice yeah. now to be able to just do anything? I think it's kind of a... towards producers and stuff in the past, but now that, yeah. like, yeah, I think when somebody works with us for long enough, they realize it's really kind of not going to go into a category and kind of got to roll with it. And the kids seem to really appreciate that. I think for a while there, there, was, some self, there was some self-imposed pressure, I guess. Just, you know, yeah. what's the next step and how do you move up to another level? Is it a radio single for the latest, right? That kind of thing. And 
But yeah. I think one of the things we wise up to over the years was just to keep doing it our own way. And that has proven well for us because we've got a fan base, like Dennis said, that really respects what we do and loves that we, you know, put our art before everything else. No, and that's that's really cool. And I, I, I think that that's something I knew found out about you guys very early on was that you were going to do it your way. You had a very strong, especially you, Sean, you had a very strong um, vision of what you wanted your band to be, what image you wanted to have, what music you wanted to create. And, um, and, and yeah, I mean, I mean, like, even just talking about your music, um, you know, I remember one time I was watching you guys and our guitar player, Josh, was like, they just do, like, exciting parts. Like, they just do, like, an exciting part and then another exciting part and then another exciting part. And it's, like, so great live. Like, like we, we're so boring, like, with our, like, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge. Like, it's so predictable. And that's one thing about your band that I think is, like, kind of made you guys special is that it seems like there are no rules with your songwriting. You pretty much just are going to be like, hey, this is a part, and we're going to play this part, and we like it, and we don't really care. Is that is that accurate to how you guys write songs? Oh, definitely. Um, we've always had, like, a, a what's best goes kind of mentality where even if it doesn't make musical sense or structural sense, if we dig the part and it vibes with what we're trying to do, we just we fucking do it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, it goes the same lyrically writing with Sean, and that it's been way different than my experience writing by myself. Where sometimes, I mean, it's really you checking yourself, but being able to work with another partner, it's not brutal. But yeah, sometimes you'll write a line and you know it's like, eh, and then they're just gonna call it. I'm like, dude, that's not good enough. Yeah. Like, okay, and you steer in a different direction, but it helps. You know, when you're listening to albums years later, there's not that many lines like, oh, I wish we had a better one there. Because you kind of <laughs> sure. get it out of the way right then. So. Absolutely. You're not going to even, so. even, you're not even going to actually like suggest anything that you might think is remotely shitty. Because, you know, yeah, either Sean or Dennis will be like, no, dude, no. And you know, it's, and you know, it's shit. I love that. That's so true. Because, you know, I, 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 um, I'm a, I'm a notoriously slow lyric writer. And I don't know how it is with you guys, but I like I'll sit on my couch like I don't know watching like DVDs of The Simpsons or something, and I'll just like try to think of lyrics. And if I come up with like one or two good lines in like a whole night, that's a success for me. Uh, but there always is that time when you're like when you when you come up with a line, and you know it's not really good, and then you just like whatever you know. And it, it, I guess when you're dealing with another person, uh, you know, you can't. I think with it being. I think with it being the collaborative way we do it and the fact that we tell stories makes the whole yeah. experience way different than a normal lyric writing process would tend to be. Yeah. With An the whole Absolutely. Annabelle trilogy was tricky exactly. because you didn't want to repeat yourself, but at the same time, you wanted to allude to different things that happened over you know, the yeah. three album projects. So it was interesting. Yeah, no, but. I know it's I know it's wrapped up now. Uh, the Annabelle trilogy, which is crazy. I mean, I mean, I bands have enough trouble just writing one concept record, uh, let alone <laughs> three of them. Uh, so, so that's crazy. I guess um, I'll ask you guys how that idea came about, and um, do you have any regrets about committing so much of your career uh, to that you know that one story? I think the first time we thought about writing a story was when we were writing our first record and we wrote one song as a story the last three letters yeah. story and we were like that would kind of be cool to just do in general instead of basing our songs off of other stories we kind of do it at the time like just write our own and I don't think a trilogy was really on the table at the time 
it was more like when we went through like the second record. And the record after the first concept one was like, oh, we could just maybe continue with it and try and dig a little yeah. deeper and see what we can do. But at that point, we knew it would be a trilogy. Once we were going to do two, we were definitely into three. That's, you know, that's, that's, that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, it's just, it's just it's committing so much of that time. Um, is, is that, are there any regrets there? Or are you ever like, oh, man, like, just like, no, in, not, let's say you're in the middle of, sorry, go ahead. Not with, not with Alisana. And that's the other interesting thing. Like, Sean has such a pop-punk background, and I'm such a metalhead. That like I've thought of other things I would like to write about, but like ah, oh, that's not an Alisana song. That'd be like a metal song. And so for to stay true to the spirit of what we were trying to do with Alisana, I don't have any regrets about it. I think that was the right move. Yeah. To really, we're trying to get the kids engrossed into the music so far that it makes them start picking up books. And yeah. I think by doing such a project on that scale and then writing a book to go with it has really accomplished what we were trying to we we're trying to do. Absolutely. I mean, we're only time will tell. Yeah. I mean, we're lucky enough to Sorry. have to be a band that whose band's name is synonymous with a story, you know. And it's, it's tough to find any regrets when you've been able to pull something like that off, you know. With the Annabelle trilogy goes hand in hand with Alice Bennett. That's something we never thought we'd be able to pull off. It's pretty damn cool. Right. No. I know. I just I just think about like um, you know, some of the like I did. We did a concept record called Shipwreck in the Sand, which was probably the one coming out when we toured last together. And, um, and I, I found one thing that was difficult for me was you're telling a story and you want to have, you know, let's say a song is kind of like a chapter and you kind of want to tell this bigger story that you're telling, but then also you need it kind of to make sense on its Within own. Within the song. Oh, yeah. To, to, where, to where, like, you know, especially these days when something comes on shuffle, you want things yeah. to kind of make sense uh, in terms of, of, of just a song standing on its own. And I, I want to ask yeah. you as songwriters, how, how challenging was that, um, especially when you're trying to do it for three records in a row? Yeah, I think we were very conscious from the jump about it was, hey, this needs to be a concept, it needs to be a story, and we want people who are trying to enjoy it on that level to be able to. But we also want the lyrics to work separate from that so if somebody wanted to find their own meaning whether personally or whatever in that yeah. particular song then they could still do that and that to me right. was the most daunting part of the whole thing because you would re- read through a song when you thought you had it done and then you're like all right well now does this work on its own it's like well shit no not even close and so you'd have to go back how to tweak it to make sure that it could you know work both ways yeah well there yeah. is something about being vague in in songwriting and stuff that that some people will say, you know, you think of like a songwriter like Morrissey, who is not vague, who is very to the point and really can paint a, 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 a you know what he's, you always know what he's singing about pretty much. Um, and then a lot of people like, you know, my favorite vague band is like face to face. Like if you're, I don't know if you're, you guys are old like me. So yeah. their lyrics are so vague, like I have no idea what they're talking about. But in a way, when you use those kind of vague lyrics, um, it almost makes it more relatable. Uh, to the average person and when you're telling a story like if someone's like here's Annabelle is like I don't know it's not really like speaking to me well <laughs> they're kind of fucked for the rest of the record <laughs> and then the next two you know so it's it's really just putting a lot of eggs in one basket yeah. you know the other trick, oh, yeah, like, I came from a huge visual arts background like my I got five brothers and sisters everybody's a, a weaver or a potter and I I was actually in college for furniture design before I joined the band I had the opportunity oh, cool. to work 
with a really great sequential artist, which is comic book. <clears throat> and going from that mentality, like um, whether it's Calvin and Hobbes or even like, you know, Marvel, the way they run those storylines is that anyone can pick up one and read it and yeah. they would have a story in itself. But if you got into the entire series, you know, there's a, a greater hierarchy to it. So just taking that That's, approach and trying to knit yeah. the song together like that so that it can stand alone or work together has was really helpful for me anyway <clears throat> with the layers of the process steering in that direction. No, that's that's really cool, and it's uh, that's an amazing thing, and and uh, yeah, and congratulations on completing the trilogy after all these years. Um, also, also like you put out, did you you put out three records on three different labels, right? For for uh, for the Annabelle trilogy as well, and um, is that kind of suck from a business side in that you don't own the rights to everything and you can't put out like a triple vinyl or, or anything right. like so that? that? That has definitely been a bit of a nightmare. There's a lot of stuff I've been starting to try to pull off. <clears throat> and there's yeah. so many more hoops and red tape to get through um, with other labels out in the material. And, oh, well, maybe we want to do that. Like, it's just a lot of <clears throat> kind of annoying conversations and frustrating yeah. dead ends. Um, it's not that it can't be pulled off, but, yes, yeah, if we had thought to do the own label thing back when we started it, things would be a hell of a lot different for sure. Yeah, I know, and um, it is, it is. If it was just two labels, you know, but three. Well, I guess it's your own label too, is the, is the third. But still, I mean, that's still, that's still you guys. Um, yeah. So you mentioned, um, uh, Dennis. You know, you said you're a metal guy, uh, and and Sean is is comes from a, a pop punk background. Now, being you know that you're two singers in the band, obviously, uh, Sean is the clean, happy, nice pop punk guy, and Dennis is the scary metal guy. How difficult is it when you guys write songs uh, to come up with who's going to do what where? And is there any, any ever butting heads over that? Because some bands, it's obvious. Like, like, like with Amity Affliction, I was talking to Joel, they have a pretty, they're very formulaic. You know, like you know oh, their chorus is coming and there's going to be singing. But with Alisana and your parts being, uh, you know, uh, you never know. Kind of, you, know, you never know what your structure is going to be. How difficult is that for you guys? It actually has kind of a natural order to it that, like, a lot of the parts that are really, like, visual, grandiose parts, I mean, just lends itself to kind of a metal feel. When you're talking about the more, like, down-to-earth, like, emotional side of the song, you know, that's definitely in Sean's corner. But I think the funny thing is that we've written each other's parts before, and some of, like, most brutal stuff Sean has written, and I'm screaming it. And some of like the really, really heartfelt things on my line that ends up getting sang. Like, it's cool because it's like something you know that I think, but God, I can't think for shit. So I would never be able to pull it off. But able to hear my words come out of his pipe and right. land with the kids like that, it's just it's fun. So it's always kind of worked like that. But it's always fun when you have yeah. these surprising moments. I'm like, damn, Sean, it's brutal. <laughs> no, that that it's is rolling. cool, and that's actually something you know that that doesn't get talked about at all really is you know the whole singing screaming thing which obviously i'm familiar with and you guys are familiar with you never really th- hear people talk about well if you s- you you have a lyric right and the lyric has meaning but how that lyric is delivered you know whether it's through melody or whether it's through screaming can actually really impact the what the words are saying like what the For meaning sure. can be and, and I wonder if there's ever been a specific time when you guys have been like, oh, yeah, you scream 
like you might scream something and it's like so brutal, but then when you sing it and you can hear it, you know, it, it'll paint a different picture, you know, or vice versa. Has that happened I where re- you guys have switched it? Yeah, I remember specific for the, the lyrics. I remember a specific time. It was actually the opening track on the emptiness, which like three records ago, and yep. we were trying it the other way. Like I was. It was I was singing and he was screaming and blah and it just wasn't feeling right and then like the light bulb went off like let's just flip flop who's doing which line and it yeah. worked so so much better and it's you're absolutely right how the energy or emotion of the way a part is delivered whether it be singing or screaming really matter with the lyrics that are accompanying you know that that approach. No, absolutely. That's yeah, that is super super super. Um, yeah, it's, who's in, it, it, who's it, in the wind tunnel? It's great to have that as like a. I think we're both in the wind tunnel. <laughs> I think it's <laughs> okay. I think it's great to have that extra tool and this band's arsenal that trying to control the dynamics, you know, because you don't want the record to be all one way and be able to switch it and, and gear it with uh, the actual vocal technique as you're going. As the, I mean, it's the pain of the ass, but at the end of the day, it really helps. Oh, that's sorry. That wind or whatever is like killing me. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, but um, I mean, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm in the same spot I was. That's okay, man. It's okay. We'll, we'll make it work. We'll make it work. Um, yeah, like your fan base um is is really like you said is really rabid. Um, and obviously you guys have done great pretty much um all over you know the place. But uh, your fan base in in South America and Mexico is like a whole nother animal and i don't know a lot of you know 75 percent of the people listening to this are american and that's uh you know that's the the demographic or whatever but so a lot of people won't know how massive you guys and how much success you've had in south america and mexico um can you talk a little bit about that and how that like what you attribute that to or how that started because that's so wild in the beginning the only thing we could think about was just the way the name is said but then also you know, we were one of the, the MySpace bands that really broke through thanks to that site. And we used to search for music on there. It was always alphabetical. I, I know these are ridiculous mm-hmm. answers, but we honestly God, have no idea what yeah, you so attribute it to. <laughs> you're as, ha- as scratching your head as much as, as much as I am, which is crazy yeah, yeah. To, to, that you've gotten, gotten down to be like, oh, well, we're fucking, we start with A or at the beginning of the list. I, mean, right, I guess yeah. it doesn't hurt a band. I, I never thought about alphabetically, you know. Um, putting your name. You know, one one thing that's funny about that though is, um, you remember when when Blink One Eighty Two put out the side project uh, Boxcar Racer? Yeah. Of course. Um, what comes after BL in the uh, yeah, alphabet? Yeah. And I saw, like I went to the store and I and I saw like that Blink One Eighty Two, and then right beside it was Boxcar Racer. I'm like. Either that's a great like random mistake, or they are someone's a fucking genius to come up with that. <laughs> right? Do you ever do you ever think I mean, about that? That's that's a crazy thing. Yeah, absolutely. It's bizarre. I'm gonna name my my next band. I'm naming Aardvark. Two A's. <laughs> there you go. Dude. Or like something right after Alisana, like a Alien something. <laughs> there you go. Alien Ant Farm. Yeah, that's a I great idea. There, that, there you go. Yeah, Michael Jackson covers all the way. No, uh, no, um, no. It's it's just a crazy thing, though, man. Like, and I just remember being down there in South America. Fucking every kid's wearing an Alisana shirt. Like, like uh, they're just talking about you guys, like you're the Rolling Stones. Um, yeah, like, like, did you guys just go there the first time, and it was like it was just huge all of a sudden? Yeah. Or did it kind of did it kind of grow? 
Now we, we played Monterey, Mexico. I mean, we were one of the first games to go down there. So that might, but you go ahead, John. Yeah, we, def- we definitely set off a trend there. Like, I think we were one of the first, you know, quote-unquote, screamo American bands to go down there. So maybe that would have yeah. had a, a little bit something to do with it, too. But, you know, our first time there was in Monterey, and it was hundreds and hundreds of kids. We, we played for more kids at that first show in Mexico than we probably played for our entire tour in America. Like, it just didn't even make any sense at all. And Did they, did they had, approach you to come down? Yeah, yeah. They actually hit up yeah. uh, an agent yeah. we were working with back then. And, uh, you know, we at the time was like, cool, trip to Mexico, why not? Like, we figured we'd play for, like, 10 people. <laughs> yeah. No, that's crazy. Do you remember what year that was, the first time we went down? Jeez, man, 06. It was early. Oh, wow. yeah, really yeah, early. Yeah. It was yeah, before yeah, our first crazy. real record deal. Yeah, that is super, super crazy. I think, yeah, I think when Silverstein went, I think it was later. I think it was 2009 was our first time. And I felt like we were kind of one of the first bands to go down there. And, um, uh, and, and you know, South America has been very good to us, too. But it, it just is a, a crazy thing. Um, do you guys have plans to go back uh, there anytime? Yeah, we actually just played Nazca in October. And we got to play Main Stage, which is really cool. That's what Mexico. So we went to South America with Crazy Town. Yeah, crazy we, town? Yeah. <laughs> like you're my butterfly, sugar, baby. That band? Oh, yeah. The, the whole deal, man. The whole deal. It was awesome. <laughs> Did you uh, hang out with them? Yeah, man. They're actually super nice guys, man. A lot of fun to hang out with. Super down That's there. crazy. I remember, yeah, I remember the singer was like on one of those drug Celebrity shows. shows or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's doing okay now, I guess, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> now, I got to ask, like, I don't know if we've ever toured with, like, an actual, like, one-hit wonder. Um, I'm going to call them. I'm putting them out there on blast as a one-hit wonder. Now, <laughs> what happens? Like, do people actually, like, know their whole record because that was when CDs were popular, so they buy it for the Butterfly song and then... Like they listen to it all, and they know the songs, or was it pretty much like no one really cared, and then they just play that song and it's like goes crazy? I mean, I I would be lying if I said the crowd didn't react more to that song. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if it necessarily means they didn't know the other ones, but they certainly. Uh, I think they came for one. They certainly like that one. <laughs> That's right. No, no. I remember um, Bloodhound Gang was. What were they were on some festivals or something we were doing Bloodhound Gang, and they opened and closed with the uh, "Do It Like They Do" on the Discovery Channel song. <laughs> <laughs> they played it first and last, Dude, so I don't know how they there. managed to to pull that off, but everybody was stoked, you know. I have so. like an incredible <laughs> amount of respect for that. That's amazing. <laughs> I want to do something like that. Do you? Now. Yeah, respect. <laughs> Is that the right word? Respect. Yeah. <laughs> well, just open and close your apologies. <laughs> now with your guys um with your guys set lists and and the songs you guys choose to play obviously you have a, a quite a large body of work at this point. Um have, have you guys well I guess two questions. First of all, have you played the Annabelle um songs like in order? Uh like like full records or or are there any plans to do like all three records or something like that? Um or and is it or do you sometimes do like parts of the records or how do you do that to try to tell the story? Um of those uh, uh, of those records and of, of Annabelle. So when the emptiness came out, we did the emptiness tour and we played the record front to back the whole tour. 
um, which was actually wow. pretty risky at the time because the record was new. And we were yeah. sort of at the height of our popularity then, but we are like, you know what, this is what we want to do. It kind of goes in line with what we were talking about earlier, how we like artistically enjoy doing the things that we want to do. And so we did it, yeah. and it went over really super well. Uh, in terms of the whole trilogy, we we definitely exploited with the idea of doing like a, a one-weekend-only kind of thing where we do Thursday, Friday, Saturday night and do each of the three records, you know, back to back, to back night. Um, yeah. But that would be... A, a hell of a daunting task to play that much material, but it's definitely something we want to do. I think our fan base would be into it. It's kind of just finding where to do it so that it makes the most sense. No, no, absolutely. Well, it's, you know, hey, you're DIY, you do whatever the fuck you want. So, yeah, so exactly. that's, uh, that's pretty cool. And one other thing I noticed, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but do you guys actually run your own um, VIP as well? Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, I started a company called Minky Stream. Um, yeah, I saw that. Where I saw that. Where we've done it for so many years, it was like I just studied it and learned how to do it. It was like just might as well cut up the middleman on it. It really makes sense to keep paying fees to somebody else for something we can go on our own. No, mm-hmm. no, that's cool. And have you have you branched out to do some to, to do some other bands too? Yeah, absolutely. We I think we worked with five bands up to this point, still trying to grow it, but you know, it's starting to get some likes to it now. I just got sent awesome new wireless earbuds from Raycon. I opened the box, opened up my phone, and literally in less than a minute, I was jamming out to my favorite tunes. What struck me right away was how well these fit and then how amazing they sound. Definitely more bass than my other wireless headphones. But the biggest game changer is the price. The E25 earbuds they sent me start at half the price of other premium wireless earbuds on the market, have six hours of playtime, and really are super comfortable, whether it's music, conference calls, or binging this podcast. And there's no dangling wires or stems to distract other people if you're on a video call. The company was co-founded by Ray J and celebrities like Snoop Dogg, Mike Tyson, and Melissa Etheridge are just a few people obsessed with with Raycons. Whether you're working from home or working on your fitness, you want what you're listening to to be what you're listening to, not the other distractions from the room. Everyone needs a great pair of wireless earbuds, but before you drop hundreds of dollars on a pair, check out wireless earbuds from Raycon. Now's the time to get the latest and greatest from Raycon. Get 15% off your order at buyraycon.com slash LSS. That's B U Y R A Y C O N dot com slash LSS for 15% off Raycon wireless earbuds. Buy Raycon.com slash LSS. If you're in tech, you've been there before. Feeling the pain of hiring a freelancer or new employee for designer development only to find out months later that it's not a fit. And those types of mistakes aren't cheap. Instead, Mutual Mobile, a digital technology consultancy, uses the process it's developed over the past 10 years, delivering over 600 client projects to ensure your fast and beautiful mobile or web app is finished on time and within budget. Mutual Mobile has built apps for numerous companies that have been acquired, such as Eero, acquired by Amazon, FlexDrive, acquired by Lyft, and MapMyFitness, acquired by Under Armour. You get a dedicated team to help you with your tech project from start to finish, from ideation to product shipment to maintenance and everywhere in between. 
Mutual Mobile designs and builds beautiful mobile and web apps that increase the value of your business. If you have design or development needs, schedule a free 30-minute consultation at mutualmobile.link slash LSS to get started. That's M-U-T-U-A-L-M-O-B-I-L-E dot L-I-N-K slash L-S-S to get started with your free consultation today. Yeah, that's that's cool. Yeah. Um, so next time you guys do a tour, Shane, you should uh, you should get a stuff for me. Too. Yeah, I mean, okay. I mean, sound rink, we we've used Soundrink, uh, you know, for the the Silverstein stuff, and they've done a great job. Uh, they're they're a great company. Um, uh, but actually, the last tour I did, I did a solo tour uh, right. for my for my solo. You project. went out with it's called. You Real. went out with Mark, right? I did go with yeah. Mark. Yeah, ah, so much fun. Very cool. And and that was well, that was different, very different for me. But I, I did my own VIP too, and I just basically I just you know I didn't it doesn't call the company. It was just like hey, buy a VIP ticket, and then I just handled it myself. Sure. And it actually you know on that scale, uh, a smaller scale that was my solo tour, it was actually uh, very doable. And I I think I would do that again because uh, you're right, it is it really isn't that difficult to do your own VIP. And then of course, then you're you know what the fans are seeing, you know what kind of experience the fans are getting and what level of, of you know uh, I don't like to use the word customer service because it makes it sound like what we're doing is selling shit but um, yeah, right. like <laughs> you know what I mean but, but, no, but it's, it's, it's real is, like, like, it's, it's I like being able to be the, the the last man standing like if something went wrong I like being the one that gets to answer that question as opposed to having our fans need to go through a third party to get anything fixed or solved yeah. or, or to make them happy this way I'm, I'm able to be the reason that they're you know like you said satisfied at the end of the day that's really cool do you um do you guys do uh vip stuff in in south america or mexico no not on that kind of level they always end up counting us in the stuff random shit but we gotta stand yeah. behind a table like for like 400 kids <laughs> yeah uh, well well, the reason I ask is because they're fucking wild down there. Like anybody listening to this, like if you think shows are your shows in your hometown are crazy, like if you live in I don't know Topeka, Kansas, or or <laughs> you know, or you live in Atlanta, Georgia, or you live in New York City, if you live in America or Canada or Europe, you haven't seen fucking anything until you go down to like Sao Paulo or or Santiago, Chile, or something where it's like insane. Um, yeah, like, I don't even know if a VIP is like you could even do it. Like, there's pe- people like freak out. Oh, we definitely can do it the same way we do it here. Like, we kind of do the mingle thing, you know, where you just go around and hang out for an hour or whatever. We, I don't think we would survive in those parts of the world. If we no, way. Stuff like that. no way in hell. <laughs> no, no, gotta no. Draw, um, gotta draw a line. We love them, but you guys are crazy in South America. If you listen to this, I would be afraid. Oh, yeah. and, they, and they will be. They will be listening to this. And, and I love you guys too. Um, uh, absolutely. Uh, the first time we went down, and I said it was in 2009, we, we played in uh, Peru. So we're excited. We've never been in these places before. I think this might have been the second show. Uh, so, you know, we're, we haven't quite figured out how everything works yet. So they pick us up from the airport, and we get to the venue, and there's just this crowd of people, like a huge, huge sea of, of kids waiting, you know, for us. So our van rolls up. And there's, like, police there, and they have, like, clubs and everything. 
And I'm like, this is, com-. I'm, and I'm thinking to myself, this is completely insane. Like, like there's no way, you know, they need to be here. And the people, the guy, the promoter came, came in, he spoke English and he said, uh, he said, Hey, um, come out of the van, go directly in the venue. Don't stop and talk to the kids, whatever. Right. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever. So, um, I kind of get out. I guess I was the last person out. So at the back of the line, everyone else has already gone inside and I stop and I look at the crowd and I smile and they're cheering, you know, and I'm feeling good about myself and I'm not feeling in danger at all. And then, and then I reach my, kind of reach my hand to like shake someone's hand and they took me, (laughs) they just (laughs) took me and I was like so scared. Like the, I could, you know, I could, I was being pulled in. I couldn't move. I couldn't do anything. Next thing I know, the cops are just beating these kids up with clubs. Oh, and I was like, Whoa, and I was what like, did you do? I know, I know. Right. I was like, fuck, I should have just listened to this fucking guy and went inside. But I, you know, <laughs> I, I was like, I didn't want to look like an asshole. Like just walking in and yeah. not like at least, you know, saying, Hey, uh, and I like, I was excited. So, but then these kids getting beaten, like beaten with a club, um, <laughs> Reality. I definitely get. I definitely get separate. So I definitely get separation anxiety when we're down there. Like when you look up and you realize you're alone, you're like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> like, where is anybody oh, yeah. that I know? I'm about to get yeah, the warm. No. I'll never forget. No, it, I think it's the first time we played Bogota, Colombia, <clears throat> that we pull up in our van, and it was like The Walking Dead. Like literally, like faces yeah, smeared against I, the van, absolutely. like hands everywhere, and then the guy was like, "All right." You ready? And then counts to three, slides the door open. He has his feet against the seat of the van and kicks backwards to blast a hole through the humans. And then we all dart through the hole and like into the video. <laughs> I was like, what is going on? This isn't real life. <laughs> I yeah. love it he's like, no, no, no. he's like, are you ready? On three, we're going to go. I'm like, what do you mean are we ready? We're going to go on three. <laughs> we're not ready. Uh, it's so funny. And it's so true. Yeah, that like we call it the the zombie apocalypse when we're like in the van at after it's usually after the show I find when you're like they're waiting and then and then as you pull away yeah, they're all like hitting the van and pushing the van and shaking it and you're just like what's going on <laughs> That's crazy gotta, man. Gotta That's love all... them though. But they they really are so excited that you came down there so it's uh, an yeah. overwhelming feeling to be sure to know that you're That's really coming. brick really doing that for those guys. It comes from a place of love. But it's terrifying. Scary love. <laughs> <laughs> Scary love. No, it's it's true. Um, so you guys are gonna head back. I'm sure sometime. Um, it, the um the shows down there. Do you have any specific memories of some of the like craziest like like or best uh best sets? I think for me, it's just you know in America you have bands that are great and they sing along and they enjoy it. It's all well good, but. They all know every single word to every single song that you've written. Like, it's unbelievable. And, you know, they don't even speak English, most of them, and they're able to sing every song in perfect English. And I think that's right. always the, the most overwhelming feeling. It's just like that somebody cares that much about your music that they have it so incredibly, your entire catalog memorized. Mm-hmm. No, it's, it's <laughs> I'll never forget um, our first time in Guadalajara, Mexico when we played a venue and they had like a giant chain link metal fence in between the stage and the crowd. I mean, the whole thing, I mean, like a story or two tall. I can't remember how tall, but the kids 
were climbing on it and then broke it in half. And I'm like, oh my God, it's going down. That's so it got, intense. It got man. very real, but it was off. Yeah, I know. That's, that's crazy. Uh, do any of you guys, in, or you guys or anyone in the band, speak Spanish? Uh, enough, I, I speak enough to get by. I, could, oh, I know good. I could survive there if I ever got lost, but I don't know that I could have any meaningful conversation. <laughs> no, that's, yeah, no, I just, I just wondered if there was anything like that. Like, uh, yeah, there, there are some yeah. bands, I think, that do, that do pretty well in South America, and part of it is either because they're, some of their members have heritage that's, you know, uh, South American or, or, you know, Latino, or some of them do speak Spanish, which is, you know, you guys probably, yeah, you guys probably should take some Spanish lessons. I, I, uh, yeah. I, took, I took Latin in high school. Uh, dead language, yeah. useless. There you go. Good thinking, Dennis. Practical language for you, helping out. I know. Well, you know, it, it was for the science. It's my binomial nomenclature is on point, but unfortunately, we're talking to the fans, it doesn't help too much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny, man. Uh, I want to talk also about, uh, about getting older. And I know you guys actually were actually kind of an older band when you sort of got started getting successful you guys were already um older than you know most bands that that reached that peak so like sean i think you're actually older than me even um i am 37 which is crazy 37 i'm 30 i'll be 36 uh in a week oh, wow. um yeah if any listeners want to buy me a birthday present absolutely. happy birthday <laughs> yeah thank you no uh so yeah no I, um i just kind of wonder how that is for you guys and and as the the you know, your band's success has sort of, you know, you said it came to kind of a peak and now you have your core fan base and you're able to still do this. Um, but how, how is that approach to getting getting older? And, and, and I know, Sean, you have a wife and children. Dennis, I don't know if you're still party as hard as you ever did. Maybe you do. I hope so. Um, how, how is that going for you guys? It, um, I think it's more about time management than anything else. It's not about being old and feeling old and having that affect anything that we do. It's more like, okay, we're not 20, 21 years old anymore. This can't be the only thing we do with every day of our lives. You know, it's, uh-huh. people have families they want to start, you know, different jobs they want to get into, just other ventures to experience and try to do. And we're really lucky in the sense that all of us still keep Alisana as a priority. And when we want to do something, we're always down to do it. But we're able to do yeah. it you know, strictly on our own terms. We don't have anybody, you know, breathing down our necks or barking at us to stay on the road, and we don't really need to stay on the road. We can do things like this, you know, go out for two or three weeks together, have a blast, you know, get to see the fans, but then, you know, the turns or whatever it is else that we're doing. Yeah. And I don't want to break your heart, but I actually quit drinking a while ago. Oh, did you? No, no, that's that's um, good. That's great news, Dennis. And, uh, that's great news. But yeah, it's it's one of those things where now I play a lot more video games on the road. <clears throat> it's been interesting, especially like, um, yeah, I've got like nephews at home and family. So it's kind of weird being out of the road because I'm so happy with my life at home. But when you get up on stage, man, and you just, every time I get in front of a crowd, I remember why I'm out there. And so I don't think that yep. goes away no matter how old you are. And whenever I see this, like, I saw Judas Priest and see these, like, 60, 70-year-old dudes in tight leather shuffling around on stage. I'm like, oh, man, they're really getting out there. But I can imagine just still seeing that many people who are so motivated by what you poured your soul into. 
I mean, that never yeah. goes away. So no, it's cool, no, it's especially with younger bands now, just getting to connect with them and share like a little bit of wisdom, you know, that you've got yeah. maybe help their uh, their climb go a little bit easier for them, learn from the mistakes that you made. It's been really rewarding. No, that's 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 great, man. That's great. No, I'm glad to hear that you guys are doing so well. Uh, you know, not just the band continuing, but also personally. Uh, you mentioned that that yeah, you guys. So, so some of you guys have jobs when you're not when you're not on the road. Uh, what oh, yeah. are you guys doing? I mean, I know Sean's um, running a record company, but yeah, I actually print T-shirts for this crazy old honky tonk guy back in Raleigh. <laughs> and oh, okay. Learning how to do that's been super fun. It will totally transition into. Uh, doing it on my own once I've mastered my art and hopefully printing shirts, you know, with Sean's label and hands it down. I, I definitely dream of being the, the old biker dude who runs the merch company for the kids out in North Carolina. <laughs> Get his rock band to his t-shirt. And just Perfect. completely well, have control of everything for us. I mean, a wise man said, said, you know, to me once that if you're in a band and you don't have your own merch company and you're not printing your own merch, you're an idiot. So uh, I'm, an, I'm an idiot. Therefore, I am an idiot. But uh, but no, it's it really is. It really is a, a something that 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 is viable. And that, that would be that would be a great approach. What about some of the other guys? What do they do when they're not on tour? So Pat plays in another band that he said he got off the ground a couple of years ago called, called Versus Me. They do some touring. Uh, yep. Shane bartends at a at a bar. We'll <laughs> <laughs> just call it a bar. Okay, that's good. That's good a, place to bar. bar. Yeah. His, his his beauty is appreciated. Yes, his <laughs> uh, his his good looks do not go unnoticed at the bar that he works at. Jake uh, Jake, Jake Campbell is a master salesman of some really strange industrial coding systems, but I mean. Jake could sell dirt to a grave digger, so he makes a killing doing it and support those two <laughs> kids and that wife he's got at home. No, Jeremy, no. yep. Jeremy, Jeremy's a mechanic. He works. He works yeah, of course, Jeremy's a mechanic. Jeremy's the coolest dude I've ever met. So, so he rides it, motorcycles and <laughs> and no, works ahead, sorry, on, on old VW vans. Oh, sick! Yeah, that's that's right. No, the so you know you said you guys are always down to do it. Like you're always down to. Uh, you know, hey, we we're gonna do this. Let's all do it. But it must be challenging with everyone having different different schedules and different things on the go. Yeah, and it, it certainly adds more of a challenge than when we all had nothing else to do when we were younger. Yeah. But um, yeah. everything we just make sure we plan it out far enough in advance. You know, um, and luckily for everyone who who does work jobs, you know, their their employers are completely on board with what they do, and you know, kind of knew it going into it what what it is they do. Yeah. No, that's that's really really great, and and I, I wonder about that. And I, I mean, I don't want to be um, disrespectful or anything, but you know, when you're at a point where obviously at, at the height of your your peak, you know, when you guys were doing this band full time, you guys didn't have other jobs. I assume there was a point when you guys were really focused 100 percent on on Alisana. Now there comes a point where something has got to give, right? Either you know, you're not make, able to make as much money, you know, something's got to give now. Where does the decision come into play to still keep the band going and kind of transition it into a part-time thing uh, rather than just be like, you know what, we had some good years, uh, uh, but now it's time for a new chapter of my life? Yeah, I think it's definitely, I mean, it's a band-by-band thing. It depends on the guys. And with our guys, we're all family guys. When you get down to the end of it, like, you know, Sean's got a wife, two kids. 
so does Jake. I've got five brothers and sisters, nephews and stuff. And you kind of have to figure out, okay, we're going to keep doing it. How are we going to make it work? And by starting our own label and being able to do it at home in Raleigh has really made what seems impossible to get that balance between family and work actually possible. So it's been incredible for us. But it's really, I mean, I guess that's the motivator. Like, we decided, like, you know, we could keep grinding full time and, you know, stay, stay on top of, like, playing enormous venues and going on monster tours and never seeing our families. Or, like, yeah. we're just really love what we do. I love playing, like, grungy dive bars, and I don't mind doing it forever. And as long as, like, you know, everybody's comfortable with that, and I get to, I get to do it and go out there and do it for the reasons I want to and then still have a connection with my family at home, I'll never stop yeah. doing that. So, I say this to my kids. I, I say I this to all the, bands, all the bands that are on my label and stuff. You know, and I really live by it. Success is what you want it to be. And for every band, the way we do it, they might not define that as success. But the way I look at it is this is the 13th year we've been getting to do this. And we still, whenever we want, can pick up, get together, and go play a tour and make some money and see some fans. And, you know, to be, able, to be able to still do that is incredible. The fact that we even have fans who still care is just amazing. And, you know, we're just here to keep riding the wave, man. And if people want to keep buying our records and seeing our shows, then we're more than happy to keep doing it. And, you know, this is the thing. The six of us will be getting together to play shows, even if it wasn't this, because we love each other and we love playing together. And, you know, it's basically an excuse to a couple times a year go on like a two or three week vacation with your buddies to play rock. Yeah. No, that's that's uh, fantastic. So, um, yeah, how long? How much longer is this tour going on? Uh, I'm just wondering if this when this comes out, if people will still be able to catch you guys uh, on tour. Uh, two more weeks. Yeah, two we did the. Uh, yeah, there's a pretty good chance then. Yeah. Yeah, we did the East Coast uh, installment of this anniversary tour uh, back in September, and now we're doing the West Coast leg. That's cool. another way we kind of do it now. We split up the tour, and that way we're not going for six, seven weeks at a time. We can do the yeah. same tour on both coasts and you know spread it out. No, that's that's a, a smart thing. A lot, a lot of bands uh, I see doing that these days, and it's that uh, definitely makes sense uh, to get a break. Uh, so the label side of things, Sean, that you're doing, uh, it's called Revival Records. That's right, right? That's the name of the label. Revival Recording. But Revival Recordings. Record, but. I'm so sorry. I am Dude, so sorry about that. <laughs> Dear um, why, why did you choose to go with Why did you choose to go with recordings and not records? Just because you thought it was cool? What, what's the story there? I guess twofold. I, I like the way it flows. I just like the way it sounds. But also, you know, yeah, sure, people still do vinyls for like, you know, collector's sake. But are we really making records anymore? Like it's uh-huh. You're kind of just making digital recordings. That's sort of where the world is at. Kind of, that's fair. Yeah, that's just fair. That sort of reason. I, 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 I never knew that either. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. That was a great question. Day, man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> hey, thank you. Uh, no, I have a record label that I started years back called Verona Records, and I thought about doing like the recordings thing or whatever, but I was just like, nah, I just like just want to blend in with the rest. I don't want to be, I don't want to, right. I don't know. Everybody, just, everybody still calls it Revival Records anyway, so I guess it didn't come. Yeah, Exa- <laughs> exactly, right. Um, so how has that been, though, um, doing the label side of things? Obviously, you've had a lot of experiences with different labels. Now you're that guy. Um, is it weird sometimes seeing things from other bands' perspectives? And, and how is it like just, just daily, day-to-day operations dealing with dealing with bands? Yeah, it's definitely weird being wearing the other hat, so to speak. Yeah. Um, but 
it, it definitely put me in some positions where I was like, oh, man, maybe we were kind of dicks back then. Because, like, now I got been asking certain questions or wanting certain things, and I'm like, oh, yeah. Pain the ass. And I'm like, oh, I guess we were that exact same pain in the ass 10 years ago. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think part of the fun of, of what I'm trying to do and the type of label I'm trying to be is I'm trying to be an artist first label. You know, one of my parts of my business model is to keep fans out of debt. You know, so many bands come to, to labels that all they want is money thrown at them and this, that, and the other. And I'm sort of there to help explain to them that, you know, this money, you owe that money back at the end of the day. And the yeah. less debt you get into, the more likely you are to have long-term and sustained success. I yeah. think my years as an artist helped me to connect to bands. I think they trust me uh, more out of the gate because I do wear both hats. And, you know, I'm, I'm not an artist who's trying to screw other artists. You know, and I think that's helped a lot in growing the type of roster that I that I want to now have. Yeah, that's, I think yeah, that's, that's a, cool. a word everybody in a band needs to look up. Recoupable. It needs recoupable. <laughs> what recoupable means? <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. It's it's um it's funny the whole just the whole idea of how a label works. You know, where they say, "Oh no, no, your royalty rate is is fifteen percent." But what they don't tell you is even when you finally recoup all that money, you know, from all that stuff, the label's already made the other 85 fucking percent. <laughs> so, like, you could be so far in the hole and, they'd, and the label would be like, well, you know, you're not recouped. Like, you're, like you're so unsuccessful. Meanwhile, you know, your 15%, which is actually a pretty good royalty rate, uh, they're getting 85% and they're already, like, they've already made their money back, like, so many times. So... That's a weird concept, but at the same time, the label does take a risk, and I'm sure, uh, Sean, you've had your fair share of of bands that have lost money. I mean, oh yeah, you, definitely. Right? That's the thing, and that's why I always try to explain right out of the gate too. Is you know, I understand that they, as the artist, have to trust me, but I have to trust them too. It definitely goes both ways, and there's there's risks on both sides, and there's investments on both sides. You know, I I, yeah. I think the more a label and an artist has a symbiotic relationship and, and they and they have the same vision going on, I think it's always going to lead to more success. Uh, absolutely, I agree with that. And that's that's part of the reason why I think like 50-50 deals with labels are really, really good. Uh, you know, when you can work that out that deal, then you're on the same page, uh, you know, with with uh, every every dollar gets gets you know everyone's fighting for the same thing so that's great Sean I'm I'm really happy to see uh, that that's been successful for you and um, are there any new bands a lot of the listeners of the show like to check out new music um, are there any bands you can shout out that you've put out or records you put out that you think uh, the people should check out yeah there's uh, I have two records coming out over the next couple months there are actually two bands that are out on tour with us, with us right now a band called Versus and a band called Charlton. Um the Charleston record is, is super, super cool. It's kind of reminiscent of older Foxy Shazam. I don't know if you're ever into them. Oh, yeah. Today, but oh, yeah. Great yeah, band. Great band. Super cool stuff. And then um, Versus is cool because they're a, a concept band, uh, but they uh, discuss issues of mental health and suicide and things like that. They actually relegate something they call the Versus Movement, which is trying to get kids who are struggling with depression and other mental uh, disorders to kind of rally together and realize that they're not alone on things. So. Well, that's that's great, and it's that's good that you're doing not just not just you know the 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 man in the suit, the label. You actually care about what you're putting out, and and uh, and and what the bands uh, are trying to say as well is important to you. So that's that's Very awesome. Much so, man. Man. Um, I I don't want to take up too much more of your time. I do appreciate 
you guys spending time this time and, and doing this on your day off. Um, you know, I know you got some like. Do you guys do a family dinner? That's the thing ba- bands like to do. Oh yeah, do absolutely. Do family Here's dinner the thing, on days, right? Here's the thing. I I don't like Applebee's, right? <laughs> I don't even think I don't think any of us even do. But that is always. That's where we're going. <laughs> we're so going to Apple, Applebee's. You know. You know that's funny, Beartooth. Uh, that's Beartooth spot too. They love Applebee's, and I'm like, yo, Applebee's sucks. Like, it's it like really the worst does. of all of the chains. It's the worst one. It's so true, but for some unknown reason, that is just where we always go. I I feel like if anybody <laughs> probably, would look out against it, we probably would change it. <laughs> Nobody ever speaks up. It's probably the Long Island. I'm gonna guess. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, uh, the Long Island man. I think it's six dollar Long Island. Uh, yeah, it's probably knowing Beartooth. That's absolutely why they go to Applebee's. Absolutely <laughs> why those guys can drink. Uh, that's crazy. No, no, I, I'd say Silverstein. We we used to be we used to be an Olive Garden band. Uh, we'll still go for the unlimited soup salad breadsticks. But now I think I'd say these days I'd say these days we're at, we're kind of a, uh, into PF Changs. If we can get a PF right. Changs going, oh, that's a nice day off. Man. <laughs> Or yard house. Yard house is yard house is like the best, man. Oh god, I love yard house. They're getting they're getting more popular. They're opening up everywhere. Yard house, check it out. They got the garden menu. I'm I'm into it. Well, hey guys, hey, thanks again uh, so much. So good talking to you guys, catching up. Uh, I hope I can see you guys around. But tell the people what's up next uh, for Alisana. Either records touring, whatever you guys are doing. What can people look out for? We're going to do some a few more international dates this year. We're going down to Mexico City to do the on-throw wings that any wax toy that we're doing here in America. Yep. And then uh, we are embarking on the next record, which is kind of exciting because this is the first time in eight, nine years that we're starting about Annabelle. Yeah. Annabelle's gone. Annabelle yeah. is... I don't, know, I don't know the story. I don't know if she's dead, but Annabelle, is, she's, she's, it's, yeah. you've moved on. That ship she's has done. sailed. Well, that's great. That's great, guys. And, uh, yes, thanks again for your time, Sean and Dennis. Uh, yeah, two of the best. So thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, dude. Good catch up. Yeah, man. Great yeah, talking yeah, to take you, brother. Care. Have, a gr- have a great day, guys. Later, man. Yeah, see ya. So there it is with Sean and Dennis. That was a good chat. I'm, again, I'm so sorry about the quality. I will not do that again to you guys. I will not, Okay. I strive for perfection on this damn show, and I will not be so loose with my quality. Um, hey, thanks again, everybody, for tuning in. I'll be back next week, Monday. It will not be a holiday anymore, but Trump will still be president, unfortunately. Uh, well, yeah, maybe not. Probably, though. I'd say if you were gonna, if I was a gambling man, well, I wouldn't really make much on that bet, would I? Hey, but we'll be back Monday, an all-new all great episode of Lead Singer Syndrome. Thank you so much for joining me. All I ask is you check out the All Access Club. It's really, really great, and I'm really, really having a good time with it. Again, the link is leadsingersyndrome.com slash allaccess. I will leave you with the tune, as always. Here's a classic, Alisana. Alisana, Alisana on Lead Singer Syndrome. We'll see you next week. Sweat trips in my eyes
fantastic um before you go uh i just wanted well i kind of wanted to give a big shout out actually to a sponsor that's been really really kind to us over the last uh, few months they're called loot crate and um i really hope that we can still continue to work with them it's been really fun promoting something that is actually cool uh they've been sending me these boxes every month and i've really been enjoying them so please check out loot crate 
Uh, the link again is lootcrate.com slash lead singer. And if you enter promo code lead singer, you will save $3 off a subscription. I think the subscriptions are down to like $15.99 or something right now. Like they're really cheap. So we're talking about well under 20 bucks to get four to six items um, of unique pop culture stuff every month. So that's all I'll say about that. Again, it's lootcrate.com slash lead singer. And uh, thanks again for all your support.